Amen and amen. We are in Exodus chapter 2. We're beginning to read in verse 11. Going to read verses 11 through 22. This now is the word of God. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man of the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Verse 16 says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah, she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. One of the effects, I guess, of the pandemic, one of the inconveniences has been weddings. Those who are going to get married during these times, and you've probably heard as I have, some who have put off those weddings, others who went ahead and had weddings maybe with uh, uh, just a... 10 people or more and uh, maybe practice social distancing I, I saw maybe as you did one bride and groom who were stood six feet apart and they were practicing social distancing and my first thought was well if you're going to get married and practice social distancing with your new wife you might as well put it off I had, did remind me of uh, just when you think that you've seen everything perhaps in weddings and this happened in a wedding not during the pandemic the place was filled and uh, here comes, uh, the, everybody's come down, all the attendants, and here comes the, one of the kids in the wedding, little boy, he's dressed in his tuxedo, and he's, he's coming down, he's, he's, he has the pillow in his hand with the fake rings, and as he comes down, he holds up the other hand, he holds it up like a claw, and he begins to call, and he growls at everybody that he comes by, he goes back and forth, and, and by the time he gets toward the front, now everybody, I mean, they're laughing uh, hysterically at what's taking place because he's taking a long time and he's growling and he's pawing at everybody that, as he comes down. And the little boy, doesn't, he doesn't know why they're laughing. He doesn't understand this. And so he's crying. He keeps growling, but he's crying and he comes down to the end only to find out that afterwards when, when they asked him why he was growling and pawing at the congregation, he said, well... They told me that I was to be the ring bearer. He hadn't quite understood, I guess, exactly what that meant. Well, maybe if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus today, and you're a servant of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but you're a bit confused about what it is that you are to be doing or about everything that's going on, well, you might find yourself a little bit sad, a little bit frustrated as well. So we're focusing at least for a little while and for the few weeks to come on the life of Moses and finding help to escape what would hinder us from moving forward in the direction that the Lord would have us to go or what would keep us from fulfilling our mission 
certainly as individuals and also as a church, there's no doubt that life as we know it has changed. And as we think about it today, we might, like, we might think, well, we'd like to go back maybe to where, how things were before. Well, I prefer to think of it this way, and I think this scripture will help us as well. Instead of going back, what we really need to do is we need to think about moving forward going forward in the direction that the Lord would have us and for the Lord to be able to use these events or anything that you have gone through that has caused your life to change so that you might be stronger in your faith and so that you might be able to fulfill even more so the mission that the Lord has for you and point other people to the good news of Jesus. Now, Moses grew up in the palace of the Egyptian princess and somewhere along the way he found out that he was not an Egyptian but he was a Hebrew Last week, we began this series on the escape zone, and we talked about the early life of Moses. In fact, we talked about really just that first three months of Moses to where Moses was found in the Nile River, raised or uh, nursed by his real mother, and then taken to live in the palace, uh, being raised by the daughter of Pharaoh. But somewhere between verse 10 and verse 11 that we read today passes about 40 years. Bible scripture says in verse 11 it says one day when Moses had grown up he went out to his people and he looked on their burdens now Moses is 40 years old at this point and he's certainly grown up now even from my perspective it still seems very young to be 40 maybe not always at that time but 40 years even though Moses had grown up he still had some lessons to learn to be ready to be God's person to do God's work and in God's way so here's what we're doing with this passage today, which is a Bible study of the text. This morning we're going to look at some obstacles that may be in the way to hinder us from moving forward in the direction God would have us to go. And then also we're going to look at some actions and attitudes that will keep you in the right place to be used of God. Moses' life can be divided up into three sections, really. There were 40 years in which he was in the palace in Egypt. There's 40 years in which he was a shepherd in the land of Midian, and then there's 40 years in which he led God's people out of Egypt toward the promised land, but spent those 40 years in the wilderness with them. Well, God used the first 80 years, 40 years while he was in the palace, 40 years while he was a shepherd in Midian. That's two years for every one year in which he led the people of Egypt and walked with them uh, in the wilderness. In between these episodes, he's either leaving Egypt to go to the land of Midian or he's leaving Midian to go back to the land and to return to Egypt. Four books cover Moses' life and for the most part, Moses, I want you to understand, was one of the greatest leaders and the greatest servants of God who ever lived. But he has still had some lessons to learn before he got it right. So to help us there's some notes maybe there on your screen or you can receive those even if you wanted to run those off those are okay or you just look on your screen but we're going to look at some obstacles to finding your place in God's plan or what we may see these things will put you in the wrong place but these are obstacles and the first one we learn from scripture is this self-sufficiency self being self-sufficient instead of trusting in Christ alone that's an obstacle Believing you can handle everything on your own without help or believing your own way of coping instead of God's way will lead to obstacles. We all need each other. It is so true that we are in this together, and that's a help. But in truth, and in particular, we need to first and foremost and pretty much 
prioritize that are, we are relying on God for direction and guidance. I passed a church a couple of times recently. This church is not in Lee County. They've got a digital sign, kind of like we do, out here in front of us. And, and I passed by, and one time I passed by on that sign, it was pretty much static, which means it stays there all the time, not like ours that changes every three or four seconds. But it was pretty much static. And the first time I passed by, it said, Church closed! Exclamation point. Another time I passed by, it, came, it drove by, it said, you are the cure, exclamation point. Well, first of all, the church has never closed. Now, that particular church may have closed, but the church, the church of the living God, will continue to be open. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it until the time Christ comes again. It will continue to be needed. And you, Parkway Baptist Church, you've not closed. You continue to reach out to people to be the church even when we're not together and I praise the Lord for you all the time. The second thing on that sign, you are the cure. Won't you understand, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have the cure. You know the one who is the cure. But you are not the cure. The cure is only found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God helped the world where the church has closed or to where we think that we are the cure. Now, if you've got Acts chapter 7 there nearby, probably also will show up on your screen. We're going to look at verses 20 through 29. People have been preaching about Moses, you understand, for thousands of years. and We're just kind of joining in. As a matter of fact, we find this message from Stephen in Acts chapter 7. We'll go ahead and read verses 20 through 29. It says that this talks about the same episodes that we're talking about at this time. Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. and was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, brought him up as her own, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, and they, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Well, sort of like I am today, Stephen was preaching from the very passage in which we're reading in Exodus chapter 2. There are several differences, several exceptions to that. Uh, Stephen, I'm sure, was a more apt preacher than I am trying to be today. Also, you might remember that after Stephen preached this sermon, he was stoned to death. At the most, I might get chewed on at lunch today or sometimes after the services, I understand, but I'm not worried about being stoned. But the most important thing is the message that Stephen preached. It became Holy Scripture. It became the Word of God, reminding us that what we read in the New Testament helps to reveal what the Lord was saying in the Old Testament. You always read the Old Testament in light of what's being said about in the New Testament. Well, Stephen said, 
in Acts chapter 7 and verse 22, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and powerful in speech and action or powerful in words and deeds, depending on your translations. Look, Egypt had the best educated people of their day, and Moses, living in Pharaoh's house, had the best education that anywhere in the world, not unlike education that we have here today. We, Bobby, right before the service started, mentioned all of those who are graduating uh, today from the universities. And, but consider the wisdom of the Egyptians. We're amazed still today at the architecture and the pyramids of that day. Consider what they knew about uh, astronomy. They knew 4,000 years ago exactly the distance from the earth to the sun. And they had theory then that the earth was round and not flat. They had a great deal of knowledge about chemistry, seen in the way in which they embalmed the dead. Today, their embalming and preserving of the dead is still unequaled. They had ability to paint bright colors. We see it in the hieroglyphics, things that they discovered. There's bright colors that they used. We still don't know what they used in order to have those bright colors and for them to last these thousands of years when we can't keep paint on our houses sometimes for 10 years. They had ways in which this would last for a thousand years. Egyptians had some of the most extensive writing libraries in the world, and Moses was well taught in all of this. And while his education was a part of God's plan to be used as Israel's deliverer, it may have been also a part of his first obstacle. Somewhere along the way, Moses became aware that he was a Hebrew. He may have known all of his life, but when he grew up, he was determined to go and see his brethren. And on the first day, or the scripture says one day, as he goes out to see one of the Hebrews being beaten by an Egyptian, which probably was a common occurrence, and he comes to the Hebrews' aid and kills the Egyptian, which eventually leads to his fleeing to the land of Midian. Now, he grew up in the palace, educated by the Egyptians. And by God's arrangement at some point, he's going to decide that he's going to see his own people, his brethren, and maybe help his people. I suppose many people might evaluate sometimes in their life if their life is really making a difference or what it is that they need to do. This may have been what happened to Moses after he grew up sitting in the palace to the best education, living in luxury for that day. He's going to make a difference. Stephen tells us in a sermon that we read a moment ago in verse 25, Moses saw himself as the obvious choice as the deliverer, and others should see it and understand, but they did not. Again, Acts chapter 7 and verse 22, he is mighty in speech and action and word and deed. Do you then find it curious that when Moses come to the burning bush and God speaks to him from the bush, he used to go to talk to the people, what's the first thing Moses says? Uh, I don't speak too good. He might have said, I don't speak very well if he is truly mighty in word and deed. But he said, it's, and it's curious that that would happen. Uh, quite a difference in how Stephen describes Moses in Acts 7. Then he's coming out of the king's palace with the best education of the land and mighty in word and deed. And he decided that he was to deliver for God's people. One problem. God hadn't called him yet. He was right. He just did it in the wrong way. He was doing it his way and not God's way. Henry Blackaby of Experiencing God said this, Understanding what God is about to do where you are is more important than telling God what you want to do for Him. Most of us who are followers of Jesus, as we begin to grow in Christ, we realize that we are insufficient in ourselves. We need to trust Christ for our everyday needs. 
both the small things and the pandemic type events. We also come to understand that God has a plan and a purpose and He has a plan for your life. Your education, your background, your ability, the dreams that you have for your life are important. But don't let these be obstacles of self-sufficiency. Know that you must rely on God and follow His direction for your future and for finding your place today. Here's another obstacle I believe we find from God's Word. It's this. It's sight walking and not walking by faith. Relying on what you can see and not on the things of God. Speaking of signs, we have on our sign today the verse from 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that says... Uh, for we, so we fix our eyes not, excuse me, for we walk by faith and not by sight. The scripture just in the chapter before that, 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Look, look if you would, back to Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Notice how many times the word look or saw is used. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, well, he watched their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian. He looked this way. He looked that way. He saw no one. Well, lots of words about seeing there, aren't there? But one place that Moses forgot to look, he forgot to look up. Do we do the same thing? We see a need or a problem. We see our own situation sometimes, and injustice is taking place. Sometimes we determine what needs to be done and we react. Here's a general principle that we need to understand as believers. And it, it is this. We need to, when we see a problem and we want to do something about it, even if our desire is to right or wrong, chances are our first impulse probably is wrong. We become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive a new nature. The Bible says Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and we have a new nature, but we still have an old nature that's lurking around. And so our problem is, is that when we see something and we think in our own minds or our own ways, well, this is something that I should do or something that we must do, a lot of times we're relying more on the old nature than we are the new nature. Even if we think it's right, we need to look above or at Christ within and react according to how He's leading. So if you're not to be a sight walker, then you're to be a faith walker, which means you're, you are to see things the way God sees them. Now, there may be circumstances in your life and you're thinking these things do not look good, but you, have, you and I have no idea how God sees things. You and I, we have no idea how God sees the big picture and His plan for you or your future. Sight walking will continue to be an obstacle until you get into the habit of that daily fellowship with the Lord, spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, worshiping Him as we doing today, even though we're apart, until we find that time in which we're listening to the Lord Jesus through the reading of God's Word, submitting to the Holy Spirit in us. Until then, sight walking will always be a problem. It will always be a time in which we might we need to pause and say, Lord, let it not be what I see is right, what I see is correct, but Lord, let me go by how you see. Another obstacle is this, saying one thing but doing another. Saying one thing but doing... Nowhere in Scripture is Moses portrayed as a murderer. 
Acts chapter 7 said he was defending the Egyptian. And the word for beating in Exodus can have the meaning of the Egyptian was beating the Hebrew to death. And he saved his life and maybe even his own. He then hit him in the sand. The next day he saw two Hebrews fighting. He tried to break up the fight. Now, if you've ever been in a place to where you've tried to break up a fight, what often happens? You become part of the fight or both people get mad at you. So in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen tells the story, it says that Moses was shoved aside, and then the one who was in the wrong, the Hebrew was in the wrong, uh, lashed out at him. He said, who made you a prince and a judge? How ironic is that? Already he was a prince. God was going to make him a judge. He said, are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Moses knew he'd been found out. And Pharaoh did find out. And Pharaoh sought to kill him. And he fled as a fugitive to the land of Midian. We learn in Acts chapter 7, 25 that he thought that they would understand that he was the deliverer, but they didn't. Why do you think Moses thought that he was the deliverer? Well, we've got to go back even further than Moses and in fact, we've got to go back to Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis 15, God speaking to Abraham. He was Abram at that point. In Genesis 15, chapter 15, verses 13 and 14, it says this. The Lord was reminding him once again of the calling of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now remember, Moses is not only the son of a princess, but he was raised for some years by his real mother, and he knew, and others should have known, that there would be a deliverer. But we don't know how, but Moses has figured he must be it. Now Moses' way apparently would have been to lead the Hebrews out by the way of the sword, by fighting but God's way was, would be the power of His almighty hand. In fact, you know the story. You know the story of the Passover. How many Hebrews died in the Passover and in the Exodus took place? Not one. Instead of leaving as slaves, instead of leaving as uh, those who are not well taken care of, we know that they left with the spoils of Egypt. Moses wanted them to see that he was the deliverer. The problem is, he's not acting yet much like a deliverer. And even though he killed the Egyptian truly to save another, he acted in fear and he hid and he fled, not much like a deliverer. If you've been in church, I believe you've probably been taught well that you need to love, praise, and worship. You need to want to share your faith and been taught that you want to tell other people about Jesus. But there's a very important lesson I hope that we have not left out. You've heard it before, but we want to emphasize it here. Your walk must match your talk. To know in your heart that you are a believer, and then when it comes time to reveal your faith, to be afraid or to hide or to flee is to misrepresent who you are in Christ. Or worse... You cannot say that you're a believer. Sing about Jesus in church. Tell others they need Jesus too, but not be living for Him and to not be an obstacle. Be careful not to call yourself a servant and or a child of God and then act like the devil or act like the world. It, it just will not work. It's, to, it's an obstacle, a big obstacle to finding your place and being used by God. You can't talk about God's love and then... Be unkind to one another. 
You can't talk about God's love and then be unkind to those who are not Christians. If you want to share about God's love, well, learn to be loving. If you want to do more harm than good, if you want to do more harm than good, you identify yourself with Jesus and then don't act much like Him. There will be people ready to criticize more than ever. We're talking about obstacles to ministry. Now, I'm not ready to say that Moses was acting ungodly, but this we know for sure. He was not yet ready to be the deliverer. And God sent him for some retraining till he was ready. Some of these obstacles had to be removed. These may be some obstacles that you may have today or may have in the future. Self-sufficiency instead of trusting in Christ alone. Sight walking instead of faith walking. Saying one thing and doing another instead of being faithful, obedient, or loving. You want to remove these obstacles and make the necessary changes in your actions and attitudes so you too might find your place in God's plan and in God's kingdom. Now, i got to, I got to tell you this morning, I've, I've criticized Moses a little more really than I'm comfortable because I do believe that he was one of the great servants of God. And while Moses made some mistakes, he also showed great courage. He let the palace of the king, luxuries of the world, to follow God and do what he thought was right. And he learned from going from self-sufficient to relying on God, from a sight walker to start walking by faith, from hiding and fleeing and act, to go to begin to act like God's deliverer, and yet at the same time became the most humble person who ever lived, the Bible tells us. Well, how did he do that? Well, my favorite part, let's learn some favorable attributes, positive attributes from Moses. What are some actions and attitudes that will keep you in the right place in God's plan? First of all, you want to be eager to do for others. We see Moses, he was eager to leave the palace to help his brother and even risk his life. And he came to the land of Midian and we find here another scene taking place. The daughters of Jethro, or he's called Raul here, they're at the well. He's come to sit at the well and the daughters of Jethro have come to take his the flocks in order they might be watered at the well other shepherds come along and drive them away Bible says that Moses got up and came to their rescue you remember they thought that he was Egyptian still only to find out later I guess that he was actually a distant relative and we'll talk about that sometime in the future but the help he gave to the daughters led to living with Jethro and becoming a shepherd and marrying one of his daughters he was not yet ready to be the deliverer of all of Egypt as he needed to be. But he was ready to at least deliver the daughters of Jethro. There's lessons we learn about helping in small areas might lead to something even bigger. But we're also to be eager to help others, not just the people whom we think deserve help, but the leftovers of this world, people that others have forgotten, and even sometimes those who may not appreciate it or even people who may take advantage of it. We may not realize it always, but the church and every Christian, we're to be in the helping business, both physically and spiritually as well. I, I've got to tell you that uh, before this pandemic, there were probably days and maybe even weeks to where I didn't speak to my neighbors. I mean, except for a wave or something. I mean, they just, I, not because I didn't want to. I wasn't mad at them. I just didn't see them. And maybe they didn't see me. But just in the last two or three days, I had two knocks on my door of neighbors living in our cul-de-sac 
who needed something from me. Something physical they needed to borrow, needed something for me to do or help them with. Then yesterday, I was outside in the yard, working the yard, and somebody just walking by, another one of our neighbors, and we began the conversation, and it was before it was over. We were praying together. Just a representative of the fact that we need to be eager to help with the physical and with the, with the spiritual. Will you be, able, be eager to do for others, but also be eager to be where God places you? Moses was content to stay in the land of Midian. The palace had to be a great place to be. And he left the palace not to be a shepherd, but to be the deliverer, to be the leader of God's people. And it took courage for him to do that, but maybe he also might have thought, well, this, this will be exciting that God may be leading me to do this. But now we see Moses here at the end of Exodus chapter 2, content. Verse 21 of Exodus 2 said, Content, sometimes translated agreed to stay in Midian, but it's a word that also can mean to be eager. To be a shepherd on the backside of the desert. If that's where God had placed him, that's where he stays for 40 years, learning to be close to God. I knew of a fellow that uh, loved, played baseball, played it all his life, played in college. His dream was to play for the majors, and he had several offers to come and uh, to try out for the majors. About two weeks before his first tryout, he hurt his elbow. He still went to the tryouts, but only a fraction of the person in whom he was before and never got another shot at the majors. Now, he was a believer, and uh, he was, uh, and even though he was a believer, in his own testimony, he says that he was angry at God, spent two years just really angry that God did not let him fulfill his dream. And I'd like to tell you that things changed for him. God healed him. He became an all-star pitcher, and you know his name if he called it out, but that didn't happen. I'd also like to tell you that, well, maybe God called him to preach, and he became like Charles or Andy Stanley or like Billy or Franklin Graham as well, but that didn't happen. But instead, he became kind of an ordinary person with a regular job and had a family in which he loved. He loved his church, and he loved the Lord, and he says he found this out. He found the satisfaction in being in the place where God wants him to be and doing the things that God would want him to do. Oh, it's a secret. It's a secret that most believers, even those who are professing real, genuine believers, have not found. A satisfaction in serving God where He has placed us. Because I can tell you that God wants to use you right where you are today. Be satisfied and eager to be where God has placed you until if and when He has something else in mind. Then also, we need to, it needs to be evident that you belong to the heavenly kingdom. You need to be eager to do for others, be eager to be where God places you, and be, let it be evident that you belong to the heavenly kingdom. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 22, it's the last verse we read a moment ago, it said, She gave birth to a son, Zipporah's wife, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. The name Gershom means stranger or sojourner. His son was a reminder that he was a citizen of another people. He was a stranger of a foreign land. Though we're eager to serve wherever we are, we need to remember that we are ambassadors for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. We must never put down so many stakes or have so many things that we accumulate that we have more in common with this world than we do with our heavenly home. It'd be another 40 years of preparation as 
God sees the Israelites' bondage and affliction, but Moses would be ready to serve. For we know this is not the end of Moses' story, is it? Moses had no idea what God would do for the Israelites or what the future would hold for him. But he knew the God of heaven who sees all and knows all and cares for us. Let me ask you, during this time, have you had some time maybe to watch old movies? Uh, let me give you a recommendation. Some of my favorite are the Indiana Jones movie because I believe that in somewhere I'm still going to be Indiana Jones somewhere to come. But of the Indiana Jones movie, and one particularly is the uh, movie called The Last Crusade. Indiana's in search of the Holy Grail. and He has a map that shows the way and gives clues, but the enemy steal the map. And Indiana goes to his father, Dr. Jones, played by Sean Connery, the real 007 James Bond, by the way. But he goes to, to his father, not knowing what to do, for he no longer has the map. And Dr. Jones, Indiana's father, says, Junior, he hates to be called Junior, he says, Junior, I drew the map. You don't need the map any longer. As long as I come with you, I am the map maker. I bet you know where we're going with this. Are you confused about what you should be doing now or uncertain about the future? No worries. You have the map maker. You're a citizen of another kingdom, and as long as you take along the king of the kingdom, you'll find yourself in the place that he wants you to be. Consider the Israelites and the Moses for just a moment. Moses is a shepherd in the land of Midian. Everything has changed for him. But instead of longing to be back in the place he is going, or he, the place he's been, he's satisfied where he is, and he's ready to move forward. And God has a better plan. The Israelites, they are slaves in Egypt. Now, they've lived in Egypt for nearly 400 years. For most of those, they probably were not slaves. But now they're slaves in Egypt. But instead of going back to live freely in Egypt, had they done before, God had something better in mind, specifically the promised land. Your life has changed. You might like for things to be back the way they were. But as believers in the Lord Jesus, I think it would be wrong for us to pray or hope that we might go back. But instead, we need to hope and pray that we go forward stronger in our faith, more like Jesus, more open doors to the gospel. Chapter 2 ends with Moses living in the land of Midian, but giving assurance that you will need for today and for tomorrow. We know that it's, it's almost like meanwhile, the last two or three verses, meanwhile back in Egypt while Moses is in Midian, these things are happening. The Israelites are still in bondage. Verses 24 and 25 says this, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Meaning, these are the things that you need for assurance today. God hears, God remembers, God sees, and God knows. Assurance is found when you give your heart and life to Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're listening today, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know that you can have that assurance by giving your heart and life to Jesus. And when you do that, everything's changed. Your future is secure. You know that you have a home in heaven. Jesus is walking with you today. 
He's inside giving you direction along the way. Everything's changed. And for all those who are listening, who are believers in Jesus, you know that these things have changed. And I want to ask you to pray right now for those who may not know Christ. Even today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you opportunity. We're going to pray together and ask that you pray this prayer, not because they're magic words, but because of the sincerity of your heart, asking Christ to come in. Let's bow together. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for what Christ has done. I ask today that you forgive me of all my sins. And I ask Christ to be my Savior and Lord, putting my faith and my trust in Jesus, who died on the cross for me and rose again. Come in today. Change my life. Be my Savior and Lord. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you if you prayed that prayer. As always, we encourage you, if you've got prayer requests, send it to us. But if you've prayed and asked Christ to come in today, would you let us know? You can let us know by email. You can send it to info at parkwayauburn.org. You can send it to my email, jeff at parkwayauburn.org. If you prayed to receive Christ today, or you have prayer requests, or you have got need to make a faith decision of some kind, let us know so that we can pray for you. You can always call us here at the church. We'd love to be able to give you next steps as well. I'm going to turn